It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. But to show you some of our campuses around the world. So um, when I came back to America and drove around America, Brother Sam Carr met me and started helping me. I started doing television ministry in Africa. This is before cable and satellite and all these things. And our first office was in Liberia, West Africa, 1985 to 1990. In the war, 1990, Civil War, our, they attacked our office. We lost everything, stole all our vehicles, all of our equipment. Every one of our team members fled to other nations. So we set up offices in those nations. That's how our ministry spread. And uh, so uh, it's been very, very exciting uh, to see what the Lord's done and how that planted a seed in me to help refugees. And so I used to go back there and the UN would fly me from Liberia into Sierra Leone to meet with refugees. Because in those days I was young and everybody knew me because of television. In those days, like Liberia, a lot of these West African countries only had one TV station. I loved it, no competition. So what was ever on people watched? And I was on every Saturday night at 9 p.m. called Celebration of Victory. So little kids in that country would call me Mr. Celebration, you know. But it gave me a heart into the people. And by the way, we've just bought some land there last year. We're going to go now and reestablish a campus there back in West Africa in Liberia. And we're really, really excited about that. It's kind of full circle these 32, three years later. So... Anyway, God's been good all these years, and uh, we're just so grateful. One of our recent campuses, our most recent international campus, is uh, in Beirut, Lebanon. That's what I want to talk to you about, because I've, I haven't twisted your pastor's arm yet, but that's my next on my list of things to do, because I'd really like him to come to Lebanon. How many believe that'd be good for him? Hallelujah. And uh, he, he would love it. I know Brother Sam Carr just was there with me in March of this year, about three months ago. He, he couldn't believe it. And, uh, uh, but anyway, there's a little magazine out there. Uh, if there's not enough of them, you can, uh, we can send you more. But we have a campus that we bought. In, in, in 2001, after the events of 9-11, God spoke to my spirit uh, the, the following month in October of 2001. Out of a verse in Isaiah, there will be on every high mountain and every high hill rivers and streams of waters on the day of a great slaughter when the towers fall. And that verse spoke like, 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 like a lightning in my heart. And the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, Keith, the towers fell. There was a great slaughter, but water's to be available. And I interpreted that to be the, the revelation of the love of the Father, yeah. the revelation of the life of the Spirit. So he said, you develop a water delivery system in regions of rage. So God gave me a pattern in Scripture how Saul became Paul how a terror cell became a life cell. So I started a program called Operation Life Cell, and uh, we went over to the Middle East. I flew to different countries without even knowing people and uh, would meet with people. I went to Lebanon, I remember, I went to four different nations, and uh, I had a meeting. I was sleeping on a couch in somebody's apartment. I met in some church. They had an email of some guy. So I slept on this. I, I was broke, you know. Didn't have any money for hotels. I'm so tight, you know. So anyway, I was there, and uh, they had a meeting for me at the Bible Society building in Beirut, Lebanon. So I go there that night. There's about 10 people there. Uh, you know, they're all sitting there like this. <laughs> None of them wanted to be there, and I didn't either. Hallelujah. But anyway, I was there by faith. <laughs> And I shared my vision on Operation Life Cell, and I'm going to say, I'm going to raise up Ananias throughout the Middle East. 
and uh, bring the love of the Father to the Middle East. And there was one guy of the 10 that, or 12 that were there that was happy, got excited. And he started talking to me. And the next day, he wanted to take me to meet his father-in-law. He said, my father-in-law is the head of the Bible Society for all the Middle East. He knows everybody. He said, I would like him to meet you. I said, okay. So they drove me up the, the hills of Beirut. And uh, the, I'll never forget this place. And there was like a little garden in the back of this little house, like, you know. And so we walked into this backyard, and this distinguished Lebanese man looked at me. And I shook his hand. And when I shook his hand, he wouldn't let go of my hand. He kept shaking. He said, I know you. I said, no, sir. He said, uh, he said, have you been here before? I said, no, sir. This is my first time to Lebanon. I don't, I don't know anybody. And he said, I know you. He said, where would I have known you? I said, well, I don't know. I said, many, many, many years ago in the 1980s, 1982 and 83, I, I did some work in the Middle East and I coordinated a conference on a Greek island called Egana. He said, I was there. He said, me and my wife were there, and just two weeks ago, I was looking through old pictures, and I have a picture with you. He said, I knew, I knew you. To make a long story short, his son-in-law, the only guy at the meeting that was happy, <laughs> is our director. Notice the power of a seed. Something you sow in fellowship in 1983 resurfaces 20 years later to influence a whole part of the Middle East. Where give the Lord a shout. Amen. It's good news. It's awesome. Anyway, so we've been doing a lot of work with Operation Lifestyle in the Middle East. And uh, we bought a campus in 2009. Became vacant. It was a million dollars. And so I felt prompted to buy it. So I started negotiating like I had money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what I would do is I would put a sport coat on like this and wear a shirt like this and, and just try to act like I knew what I was doing. I started negotiating and I found favor. You know, favor goes a long way. You know, all you need is to understand that you're standing before the Father has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with the lamb. Yeah, it's the love of the lamb that gets you everything. Yeah. Your standing before the father is not you. Your standing before the father is him. Yeah. You are in him. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing when you live with this kind of favor and, 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 and have faith for it. So anyway, we, we uh, started to negotiate to buy this building. And I just acted like it was uh, no problem. And I would fly back and forth to Lebanon. And they needed all cash. I said, okay, no, no problem. And do uh, you know, we made a deal, and I had to, the whole time we negotiated the deal, not one time was I asked for a financial document. They never asked for a bank statement. They never wanted to know anything about me. They just believed I could perform. So I came back to America and talked to people like Brother Sam, and, and I had a plan how I borrowed church funds from building projects that I'd repay and stagger it. And you know what? In four years, we, the whole thing was debt-free to the glory of God. And then we built it out for another three. It's, it's magnificent. Now, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Syrian refugees come there. 
Muslims who are getting filled with the love of the Father, being born again, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know how to explain to you. If you were sitting here tonight, half this crowd, let's, let's pretend, is Muslim with their Muslim headdresses and everything. How would that feel? Like, wow, this is different, you know? See, the thing is, you can't know people according to the flesh. You have to know people according to the cross. Because it's the cross that the Father sees people through to bring the revelation of who Jesus is. And that's the beautiful thing. So all over the world we have uh, campuses and teams. Then we just purchased Life Center USA, which is a reflective campus we have now in Los Angeles to train people for missions and outreach. And so we're just so excited. And uh, we just uh, want to say thanks again for letting us this past year be an extension of your love and life in the nation. So let me just preach a little bit. Do you mind? I want to put something in my heart that I think is going to refresh your spirit. It's going to make your heart happy. So uh, go with me if you can in your Bible to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Island Church. Thank you so much for what you're doing in this place and through the precious saints planted in this place. Thank you, Jesus, your Lord of all. Thank you for a living word to settle in the hearts of everyone here. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, there's a story about how God wanted to make an announcement he wanted, he wanted to post something. He wanted to get people's attention. How in our culture today do people get somebody's attention? You post it, right? You post it on Facebook. You post it on Instagram. You post it on Snapchat. You post it on Twitter, right? All the politicians, all the leaders, everybody's got Twitter, right? That's a lot of, you know, everybody wants to post something. Notice when you post something, you don't post something for it to be ignored. You post something for it to grab somebody's heart and draw them to your way of thinking. To your way of thinking. And uh, look at it, it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 2, you know, heaven was filled. This is when Jesus was born. God became physical, flesh, human. God in physical form. In other words, now the human race is going to get a perfect picture of who the Father is. Because the worldview of the Father has been distorted up until this time. Finally, there's going to be a clear, accurate portrayal of your Father. Revealed perfectly in the life of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that God wanted to have a heavenly post. And so he fills the heavens with angels. Remember the story? And they begin to make announcements. And this is part of the announcement in Luke 2 verse 12. The, the, the angels say, and this will be the sign unto you. This will be the sign unto you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God wanted to get the human race's attention, so he does a post. You know what we do when we post something? We want people to like it. Don't we? In fact, if you posted a picture of what you had for lunch today, you'll check later in the day to see if anybody liked it, right? And then what you really like is if people are stirred enough not only to like it, but to share it. You know what your father wants? Your father wants you to be so astonished with the gospel 
of unending, redeeming love that it makes no human sense to your mindset where you will like it and be drawn to it and share it. It's very, very important. The sign is to you. My wife, she likes to post pictures of our grandkids on her Facebook page. Recently, I came home. I was at the, in the States, and I was at the office. I came home, and Heidi, she said to me, did you see what I posted on Facebook today? And I said, uh, no. She said, well, I posted a picture of the grandkids, and I already have 153 likes. Wow. I said, what? She said, yeah. I got 153 likes. I said, why don't you post a picture of me and see what it does? She says, I've already tried. It doesn't do nothing. It doesn't get anybody's attention. Do you know, I landed in uh, Houston today, and I had uh, directions, little printer. I asked the guy at National Rent-A-Car for a map to it. But then I wanted to follow and make sure I knew where I was going. But from... George Bush Airport to Galveston, there's a lot of signs. Man, the signs can take, some of them look really kind of good, you know what I mean? I mean, all kinds of pictures of barbecue, glory, to all kinds of stuff. All these signs want to get your attention and capture your heart and draw you to a place to influence you to change your thinking. See, real repentance is changing your thinking about who your father is who you are before the Father, and it all has to do with the sign. It all has to do with the Lamb of God. And so it's very, very important that we understand that the sign is to you. The sign is to you. It's got to be personal. You know, Jesus said when he would be lifted up, he would draw all men unto him. You know, you don't have to worry about debating anybody with the sign. You don't got to condemn people. You don't got to run them down. You don't got to tell them nothing except the revelation of the sign. If you understand the sign and can proclaim the sign, it can change everything. Because Jesus, by his spirit, does the work. He does the drawing. He does the drawing. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So the sign is a baby. You know, we all like babies. Usually I'm kind of a touchy-feely sort of guy. You know, I like to give people a high five, shake their hands, give people a little hug. And that's just me, my personality. And, uh, but when I see babies, it's, it's, I, I go goofy. You know what I mean? I start talking baby talk. You know, I'm, I'm a nut. I get on, I, you know, I'm dressed up. I'm supposed to be dignified, you know, a wonderful gospel preacher. Man, I get on the floor. I crawl around. I roll around. Babies, babies move me. God sends a sign of a baby. But the baby in and of itself isn't the message. It's a baby that's wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In other words, there's meaning to that. Do you know the whole world knows Jesus, so to speak? They celebrate Christmas, don't they? Why isn't their heart stirred? Why isn't their mind changed? Because they haven't yielded to the fullness of the revelation of the sign that this God justifies the ungodly. He does it. It's an amazing thing. And so the baby that was wrapped is a picture of what the baby was born to do. The baby was born to die and to live, to reconcile humankind, mankind to himself, actually to reconcile all things. Yeah. 
Things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. It's an amazing gospel. And the beautiful thing is the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes. It's a picture of his death. Do you know when Jesus died, it's recorded in the gospels, that they took his body and wrapped his body in linen. And, and then they laid him in a tomb that was hewn or cut out of a rock. Remember Joseph of Arimathea, the dude with a little money in the community? Thank God for some people with money who have a heart that's drawn by a sign. Yeah. It's very powerful and very important. And the thing is, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. In those days, the manger is where you feed your animals. In my case, I fed pigs in troughs, metal troughs, wooden troughs, some that I made. But in those days, it was stone cut out. So the baby was laying wrapped kind of in a tomb. He was in a grave. The picture of the death and the rising of Jesus changes everything. Notice when God posted his message, he didn't go to the big shots. He didn't go to the politicians. He didn't go to the billionaire class. He didn't go to, he didn't even go to the scholars. He went to people whose hearts could be stirred. He went to low life shepherds. He went to nobodies like the Keith Hershey's of the world. He went to people who weren't perfectly moral. He went to people who didn't have it all together. He went to people who didn't memorize all the Bible verses. He went to people who could be astonished with the gospel. See, unless your heart is astonished with the gospel, then maybe you need to get a new clarification of what your gospel is. Because the gospel of the death and the rising of Jesus changes everything. In fact, while we were praying, you had some verses here in Romans chapter 4. I loved all the verses you had up. At the end of Romans 4, it says, He, Jesus, was, was given up for our unrighteousness or our sin. And he was raised up for our justification. Notice he did it all. He was given up for our sin or our unrighteousness, and he was raised up for our justification, just as if I'd never sinned. Then the next verse, next chapter, verse, chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, based on the preceding verses, therefore, being justified by faith, I have peace with God. The astonishing news is that I'm good to God because of the Lamb. That amazes me. It amazes me every single day of my life because I'm very frail in my humanity. I'm not the perfect person. So if you're looking for the perfect person, let me right up front tell you I disqualify. But I do know one thing about my little life wrapped in this humanity is my life is hid in Christ in God. And I'm astonished about the sign. And that sign draws me and pulls me. And I say, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Listen, I, I daily take time to be loved by God. In fact, I don't give my attention to loving him. I give my attention to being loved by him. Because I find as I'm loved by the Father and believe that God loves me completely, God favors me abundantly, God blesses me eternally, my reciprocal response is to love Him. There's no mechanical effort to it. I am His son. I am a beloved son, and so are you. All because of the death and the rising of Jesus. So notice the sign that God shows in the heaven. He just wants you to like it. 
and he wants you to share it, but it's got to stir you. So let's read the story. Look at it, it says in Luke 2, we read verse 12. Let's go to verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the sign. See the thing that's come to pass, which the Lord made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen the sign, when they had seen Jesus, they made widely known the saying, which was told them concerning the child. And all those that heard it marveled. Everybody say marveled. Marveled. All, no, notice, notice, notice it wasn't 50% that heard it marveled. It wasn't one out of four. All those who heard it marveled at those things that were told them by the shepherds. Now think about it. These shepherds didn't go to Bible school. They weren't the best Sunday school people. They didn't have training in evangelism, but you know what they did have? They had their hearts strangely warmed by a heavenly post with a revelation of what it meant. And when you have a revelation of what the sign is all about, you can announce people the redeemed innocence in Christ. You can announce to people what Christ has done, that he's come to declare the ungodly righteous. And you can take your place by faith and accept that beloved position and enjoy everything the Father has done. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you've marveled at the gospel? When's the last time you've, you've sat under a tree and looked at the sun and the stars and just marveled at creation and let it speak to you? When's the last time? Like I, I was thinking today, man, I just want to sit out by your beautiful ocean and just sit there for a little bit and just marvel at the love of the Father, you know? Listen, it's very, very important that you have a heart that's sensitive enough to marvel. You know how I prepare for ministry more than anything else is being loved by the Father. And letting my heart be so sensitive to the revelation of God's love in Christ, which reconciled everybody. You know, people sometimes say to me, say, Keith, well, you know, when you're in the least, don't you tell everybody how naughty they are and what a rotten religion they have. I said, no, I don't demean nothing, nobody, no thing. If you want to do it that way, have at it. But I don't. I don't preach about them. I preach about him. I found that Jesus solves every, you know, people know their frailties. People are very acquainted with their humanity. People tried to fix themselves and found out they can't. How many can say a big amen to that? There's got to be a place in God, in Christ, where the astonishment of the gospel captures you and moves you. And everybody that sees you, everybody that hears you, is astonished at the gospel, is astonished at God's love in Christ that changes everything. See, Jesus' life is as important as his death, but his death, they, they speak different things. Jesus' life shows you that God is good to you because Jesus is the perfect picture of who your father is. Jesus gives you the right worldview of who your father is. Every, Jesus said, no one knows the father except the son. Every other human being had a misguided worldview of the father to some degree. Jesus is the perfect picture of who your father is. So Jesus' life shows you that God is good to you. He'll heal you. He'll meet your need. He'll provide. But Jesus' death shows you that you are good to God. 
His life, he is good to you. His death, you are good to God. It's the beautiful thing about the cross. And that's why Paul said, man, I'm addicted to it. I choose to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so I focus on the sign. And I say, I like it. I take time. You know how I take time to like it? I take communion often. When I'm home, I take it with my wife every morning. I remind my, I said, let's eat, let's drink, let's be merry. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has healed us. Jesus has forgiven us. We have a once and for all redemption. What are we moping about? Let's look to the sign and say, I like it. I love it. And I want some more of it. When you experience astounding love, like the shepherds, you go public. When you, when you experience astounding love, I bet they'd never preached before, but I would have loved to hear their message if everybody marveled. What I want to encourage you, I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, but let, what I want to encourage you is this. Live your life where your heart is overwhelmed with the love of the Father. Believe God's view of you more than your view of yourself. God doesn't see you except through the lens of the Lamb. And that's why you got to always see yourself in Christ. Jesus is God's opinion of you. Jesus is God's opinion of you. See, I choose not to know myself in the flesh. In fact, I choose not to know anybody in the flesh because I get very disappointed. You know, if you know people according to the flesh, you'll be very judgmental. I can, I can testify. Very easy for me to be judgmental. You know, I've learned doing missions. I've learned God loves everybody. And uh, they need someone who can convey a message that they marvel at. I got these big, strong, Arab guys come up weeping. They don't know why they're weeping. They say, let me introduce you to my wife. I say, nice to meet you. Then he says, let me introduce you to my other wife. (laughs) Nice to meet you. You know what you do? You accept people as they are. I said, you accept people as they are and keep pointing them to the sign. The sign is enough. The sign is enough. And don't restrict yourself based on yourself, thinking that you don't have to debate somebody or have a lot of answers. You don't got to have really nothing but your heart warmed. And the right understanding of the love of the Lamb, the sign, the death and rising of Jesus Christ. Did you all enjoy the word today? Give the Lord a shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Father. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 
770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.